welcome. I'm Carol Cram, your host for the Art and Fiction Podcast. Back by popular demand are more writing tips that have been shared by my guest authors. If you're a writer, I'll guarantee you'll learn some useful advice. And if you're a reader, you'll gain insight into how successful authors do what they do. Since launching the Art and Fiction Podcast back in July, I've had a marvelous time chatting with 19 novelists about the many ways in which they've been inspired by the arts. I've also enjoyed talking about the writing process, including topics such as researching, marketing, and staying motivated. The five tips presented in this bonus episode focus on how writers develop their craft. Nine authors talk about the crucial roles played by mentors in reading, of trusting that hard work and perseverance eventually pays off, of the importance of developing a sense of humor, and finally, of writing for one reason and one reason only. Find out what that reason is in tip number five. So let's get started. Tip one, write what you love to read. When I start writing a novel, one of the first things I do is ask myself if it's the kind of story I'd pick up and read. If the answer is yes, then I know I'm on the right track. Siri James, New York Times bestselling author of numerous novels, including The Missing Manuscript of Jane Austen, shares her take on why writers need to be readers. I always say to, first of all, read what you love to read and write what you love to read. So um, whatever it is that excites you when you sit down with a novel, that's probably the kind of book you should write. And they say write what you know, and it is true that if you write something that is autobiographical, the words come very, very quickly. You wouldn't believe how fast they flow from your pen, but that isn't necessarily the only kind of story you can tell. You can research a completely different story about a real person or a fictitious person and still infuse them with aspects of yourself and of people you know and make them come alive. And I also tell people if you really want to write, you can't do it in a vacuum, can't do it without a great deal of study and practice. Very few people, I think, sit down without any education about how to craft a novel and write something that's actually readable. So attend writing workshops, read lots and lots and lots of books about the craft of fiction, and understand that just as a brain surgeon doesn't operate without a lot of schooling, um, you can't write a novel without learning the craft, and it can take years. I've also discovered that one of the best ways to develop my own voice as an author is to read the work of authors I admire. Barbara Lynn Probst, author of Queen of the Owls, inspired by the work of Georgia O'Keeffe, agrees. First of all, you have to have a story you're burning to tell. If you don't have that, you got nothing. And you have to accept that the first draft, maybe even the first book you write, is going to suck. And be patient and put on your big girl pants when... You know, as they say, read, read up, read really well-written books. See how they did it. I just love that advice, to read up. Read authors who write the novels that you want to write and who write them better than you can, or at least at the moment. The more you read, the more you learn. I don't think I've ever met an author who isn't also a voracious reader. Tip two, find a mentor. Most authors have one or more readers who they can count on to give them unvarnished feedback. They also credit the influence of at least one mentor with helping them overcome the many challenges posed by writing. I've been super fortunate to have worked with some excellent mentors over the years. A good mentor is one who is supportive, but also doesn't pull any punches. 
A good mentor understands intimately the craft of writing and knows how to help authors be the best they can be. Each mentor I've worked with encouraged me to dig deep and not be satisfied with what comes easily. To this day, I frequently repeat one of my mentor's favorite sayings, trust your reader. By that, she meant that readers are smart and don't need everything spelled out for them. Related to finding a mentor is taking creative writing courses. Here's what Maggie Hum, author of Talent House, inspired by a character in To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf, has to say about the value of taking creative writing courses and finding a good mentor. The really main advice is to do a creative writing course. I mean, Americans do this much more routinely than is common in the UK, especially for people my age. But I mean, it's an immense help to be with a a group of like-minded people writing novels, to have a tutor, to work through your novel again and again and again. It was just amazing. It was just, it really changed my whole thing. My novel became completely different, also much shorter, which was good. Another thing that I found very helpful. Uh, It's based in the UK, but I'm sure there must be hundreds of North American versions, which is I did a mentoring course after the diploma with the literary consultancy. And I think you can do it uh, with them without actually physically having having to be in the UK. And there you get a mentor and you, Mm -hmm. you can sign up to whatever package you like, but the mentor read the novel. And I did that for structure because the only thing about a writing course is you're doing 5,000 words at a time and you lose the structure. People on the course, they don't see the whole novel, so they don't see how badly structured it might be or might not be. They're focusing on individual scenes. And speaking of structure, tip number three, trust your gut. Writing a novel is a solitary pursuit and fraught with doubts. One of the most challenging aspects for me is figuring out which bits to keep and which to discard. The old adage to kill your darlings is all very well, But which darlings should I kill? This is where trusting your gut comes in. Ultimately, the novel is your novel with your name on it. This means that you have to believe in it, which sometimes means that you have to trust that little voice in your head that's telling you what's working and, more importantly, what is not working. Here's what Stephanie Story, author of Oil and Marble and Raphael, painter in Rome, says about trusting your gut. But I think more and more... As I'm writing further and further, I think when I was younger, I didn't trust my gut enough Mm -hmm. in in what I was putting on the page. And I didn't trust my gut when it was screaming at me, hey, look at that. That's not working. I I was more likely to ignore that voice in my head. Hey, that's not working. And think, oh, that's good enough. Don't ignore the voice in your head that's saying, hey, that one thing's not working. Go back and, and make it better. So listen to that screaming voice in your head, even though it's exhausting and you're on your 1,286th draft, listen to the voice in your head telling you that the place that you fear is not quite working. If, if you have that fear in the back of your head, it's not quite working. Listen to that voice now because you're going to have to fix it eventually anyway. So. Closely allied to trusting your gut is the advice to ignore the editor in your head. Here's what Jeannie Mackin, author of The Last Collection and The Beautiful American, says. To turn off the editor in your head who's saying you can't do this, that's not good enough, I don't like that sentence, especially during the first draft, ignore all of that and just keep writing. 
Such great advice. You can bring that editor back when you're revising a novel, but not while you're writing the first draft. Get the words down on paper or on the screen without self-censure. When I'm writing a scene, I sometimes set a timer and then just write the scene that unfolds in my head without worrying about getting the words exactly right. I put myself in the middle of the scene and imagine that I hear the voices of my characters, see what they're seeing, and feel what they're feeling. Sometimes I start a sentence and then abandon it, carrying on with a new sentence without stopping to delete the unfinished sentence. It doesn't matter. I can always go back and fix anything that doesn't work. The important thing is to free my mind from self-criticism and to just write. Stephanie Cowell, author of several novels inspired by the arts, including Marrying Mozart, has this to say about asking others for advice while still remaining true to yourself. Uh, yes, ask people for advice. If you want to give your book out to others to read, you, you should. I mean, uh, if you look in the acknowledgments of almost any published novel, you will find thank you for my first readers, my second readers, my third readers, you know, my husband, my agent, and this huge list of people. Um, if people say something and it doesn't ring very true to what you want to do, remember it is your novel in the end because everybody will have different opinions and it, if someone says something and it doesn't ring particularly true to you wait to hear from two or three or four other people if they all start saying the same thing you might want to just pay a little attention to it time for a short break i'm a huge fan of pro writing aid Described as a grammar checker style editor and writing mentor in one package, Pro Writing Aid really does help you be a better writer. What I love is how the suggestions really make me think about what I've written. The program does a lot more than just identify grammar and spelling errors. It provides 20 in-depth writing reports that highlight elements such as repetitiveness, vague wording, sentence length variation, adverbs, use of passive voice, and a lot more. Follow the link in the show notes and you'll receive 20% off a subscription to Pro Writing Aid. And now back to the show. Welcome back. So, you've written the best novel you can write, had it professionally edited and proofread, received feedback from several beta readers, and sanded the words until they shine. Finally, the novel is published and you hold a copy in your hands. Now what? Tip number four, develop a thick skin and a sense of humor. While many readers will love your book and write great reviews, the day will come when you receive a negative review. It's a fact of life and true for every writer, even bestsellers. So what can you do? Helene Mario, author of Dark Rhapsody and The Lost Concerto, two thrillers inspired by music and visual art, shares her advice. Even when you think you're done, you're probably not. And that brings you to having a thick skin and a sense of humor, you know, you, because it's, you, you will have people that don't like your work and you hope that they'll just find something they like somewhere. But, but don't give up. Don't let those negatives stop you. Don't give up. Keep trying. And you learn that you cannot please everyone. Finally, last but not least, don't apologize. Just tell the best story you can, can tell and be true to yourself. That is what has worked for me. That's excellent advice for writing and for life. Do your best. Tip number five, 
Write for the love of it. And finally, why exactly are you writing? If your goal is to make a lot of money, you may want to rethink your priorities. While I'm all for making money, I'm aware that writing is a risky business. Yes, you may become a top seller and rake in millions. You may also win the lottery. But much more likely, whether you're self-published or traditionally published, is that you won't get rich writing novels. So while making money is a laudable goal, it can't be the only goal. Find another way to pay the bills and write because you have to write. In episode 19, I chatted with three novelists who wrote about classical composers. Barbara Quick, the author of Vivaldi's Virgins, Stephanie Cowell, the author of Marrying Mozart, and Patricia Morrisrow, the author of The Woman in the Moonlight. Our conversation veered into the sometimes touchy subject of money-making and its relationship to writing novels. Here's what Barbara Quick has to say. I didn't at all understand is that there's maybe a one in one million chance that a poet and novelist can ever make anything approaching uh, a decent living. So my piece of advice is make sure that at least one adult member of your household has a salary and health insurance and, you know, even better, a pension <laughs> because you'd better just be willing to write for the love of writing. There are most likely absolutely no financial rewards involved. You know, if you want financial rewards, get get a different profession. But the emotional rewards of writing, for me, have they've not only been enormous, they've been absolutely salvational. They have kept me alive and full of joy at being alive. And finally, here's what Patricia Morrisrose said about the same subject. I mean, I applaud people who would sit down for so long with the question mark of, am I going to sell it? I mean, that takes such enormous fortitude. So I think for somebody contemplating that, there should be nothing else you really want to do other than write a novel because it's very, it's increasingly tough to get published. Advances are, are really not what they were, uh, although surprisingly more and more people want to become writers. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, have a plan because I know growing up and living in New York, uh, friends who are writers and friends who are successful writers, and honestly, very few of them make a living. For me, it's always been the process of writing, process of learning and the process of writing, which I love. And if anything happens down the line, that's wonderful. Uh, but I don't really expect it. So there you have it. Five great writing tips from some of the authors I've chatted with on the Art and Fiction podcast. Here again are the five tips. Write what you love to read. Find a mentor. Trust your gut. Develop a thick skin and a sense of humor. And finally, write for the love of it. How are you going to apply this advice to help you write your novel? I'd love to hear your questions, your comments, and your advice. Go to Art and Fiction at www.artandfiction.com and click the Contact tab. Be sure to check the show notes for the link to a 20% discount on a subscription to Pro Writing Aid, a wonderful editing tool for writers. Please follow Art and Fiction on Twitter and Facebook, and don't forget to give the Art and Fiction podcast a positive review or rating 
wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. <music>